Hello and welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM and streaming at ksqd.org. I'm Patrick Hart and you're listening to our show, What To Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What To Be is a program provided by Your Future Is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, panels, and other work-based learning activities. Please note that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future Is Our Business. The information provided there in this program does not reflect its career in its entirety. And today I'm joined by Ron Whitfield, who is the curator of carnivores at the San Francisco Zoo. Thank you very much for taking your time to be here, Ron. My pleasure. And Ron, I was wondering, how did you become the curator at the zoo in San Francisco? Um, do you mind briefly explaining your career journey? Oh, sure. Uh, working my way up into the, uh, let's say, working with San Francisco was uh, quite a journey. Um, I started uh, getting into the animal business uh, after I finished uh, college in 1971. Um, I got my degree in biology. And at the time, uh, I had visited an animal facility and uh, you know, kind of fell in love with the place and some of the animals when I was visiting. Um, so I kind of bugged them for a while. And then um, they hired me as basically as an apprentice uh, working with the animals. And this company was called Africa USA, which was in Southern California at the time. And um, so I was hired on, I started working, keeping with animals. And also at that time, the facility had full contact where you could actually work with the animals uh, physically and have full contact. Uh, currently today, like with the zoos, it's protective contact. You don't work directly uh, physical contact with animals, which is a lot safer in the long run. But anyway, from uh, working with Africa, USA, they joined with Marine World and Redwood City in 1972. So we joined the facilities, moved everything to Redwood City from Southern California and formed Marine World Africa USA, which I worked with for 27 years. And my position with uh, Marine World Africa USA, I was uh, basically in charge of a group of animals and show animals that did performances uh, at the Marine World Africa USA park in Redwood City. And then Eventually, it did move to Vallejo and became Six Flags. But my position there, I was a director, and I was in charge of uh, elephants, uh, also lions and tigers, cats that were worked in shows, and um, also the primates that were in our area. Um, they were all under basically my uh, supervision at the time. And I worked with them for 27 years, and then... Uh, after that, there were a change once it went into Six Flags. Um, I basically, a lot of us left the company and I joined, uh, worked with uh, actually the zoo in, two, in 1999. I joined uh, San Francisco Zoo, worked with them for a few years. And then uh, I got another position working close to home, which was with uh, Solano County. I actually managed their, uh, animal control, animal care facilities, and their animal uh, care uh, fuel services. And I did that for about uh, 11 years. And then um, I went back to, after that, went back to uh, working at the San Francisco Zoo. And I've been, 
been with the zoo right now for uh uh, back with them again for five years. And my position there as uh, curator of carnivores, which uh, with a curator with carnivore are basically, I'm like a manager supervisor. In uh, the carnivore section at the San Francisco Zoo, we have three basically what we call strings. Uh, we have the bear string, which covers um, black bears, grizzly bears, also Mexican gray wolves, which are great to work with, and um, also some uh, Madagascar animals, FUSA, um, in the bear section. Also, uh, the next section is a snow leopard string, which we have five snow leopards. We've done some breeding. We got some cubs from them, which was very, very exciting since they're very endangered in the wild. And we also work with the Snow Leopard Conservancy, the uh, San Francisco and uh, Snow Leopard Conservancy. Basically kind of work together and uh, help each other out when it comes to research with the snow leopards. Um, also in the snow leopard string, we have bobcat, then we have a, a fishing cat, and then we have a wolverine uh, that are all uh, tied up with the, what we call the snow leopard string. And then our last ring is the lion house, which consists of our lions and tigers uh, in there and managing and taking care of uh, that, those big critters. That is so cool. And it sounds like a, you've had a very great career. Um, and I don't, a lot of us may have seen the Planet Earth program with that absolutely amazing footage of that snow leopard uh, hunting down that face of that mountain. I'm not sure if you saw that, but it was absolutely incredible. And they talked about, you know, one of the reasons they have those huge massive tails is to help their balance when they're, I mean, this snow leopard was descending and it was descending sometimes. And like, it looked like 20 feet drops at a time or so. Like it was crazy uh, footage. It was really cool. I, I did see that. They're amazing. Their tails are as long, if not longer, than their body. And it's used basically as a counterbalance when they're jumping, moving around. They're so agile. It's amazing. When they start playing, we give them different types of enrichment. And some of the different, you know, we put in food spices. It gets them all excited. And they play with it and rub around in it. And, I mean, they'll jump eight, ten feet in the air and have all oh. four feet bounce off the walls and <laughs> climb up rocks. They're amazing. It's so they're cool. So they're beautiful animals. Yes, majestic. Um, going back to the Six Flags in Vallejo, when before the interview, I was telling you that you know me and my family went up there a long time ago, and I did. I remember seeing the albino tigers and during one of their shows, and I remember them uh, seeing them swimming in the water. And is that something that they train them to do, or is that something that the tigers do naturally out in the wild? Well, tigers, um, they love water. They're, they'll drag you in the water. <laughs> Some of our leash tigers, when I search in the business, we had a lake near us where we work them. And they get in there, they get frisky. Uh, they just love water. And in India and in warm tropical areas where they're found in uh, Southeast Asia and India, they'll lay in water to cool off because it gets pretty warm. So they'll stay and lay in water. They also hunt around uh, lakes and water areas. Uh, it's easier to catch certain prey animals if they get in water. It slows them down while tigers, I mean, they move so quick, they almost like walking on water to get at uh, prey animals. But they love water. They're okay. just, they get excited. So it's really not, uh, you don't have to really train it. You just get them in the water and they're really frisky. 
if people are working with them, you just have to treat them, uh, teach them not to uh, jump on you and hold you down under okay. the water. Occasionally, you'll see uh, footage of a tiger, maybe like in India or somewhere, jumping in the water to like grab a crocodile or something. And I wasn't sure if that was like like a pure desperation thing for lack of food or if that was something that they just did regularly. It's a natural prey item for them. Okay. Um, same thing like with, uh, I don't know if this, there's a bunch of footage with uh, South American uh, jaguar. They go after the caiman, which is a type of little alligator, and they, they hunt them and kill them. Okay. And same thing even in Africa, you'll see them going after croc crocodiles okay. uh, along, same with uh, tigers. It's amazing. Going back to your career, what are some of your like main duties and responsibilities? When you work with animals and you're basically, let's say, the manager in charge, you have to, your whole basically life is taking care of them, managing the daily care, cleaning up after them, um, you making sure, the, uh, and the main thing is the health. We work with our veterinarians closely with our staff. We monitor the animals, make sure that, um, you know, they're doing fine, that they're eating well. Uh, if there's any issues or minor injuries that might pop up, we take care of. But mainly is managing and taking care of the animals, making sure they're fed, cleaned, um, also stimulated with uh, different enrichment items so they don't, in a, in a zoo setting or even a captive setting, just to give them some enrichment to keep them mentally and physically uh, stimulated and active. Um, so that's basically a part of the whole uh, uh, caring with the animals, not only their cleaning up, but their physical health, their mental health, and keeping them active and healthy. Okay. Um, you mentioned, I think earlier, that that you take kind of a hands-off approach right now. Now, is that something uh, because of COVID, or is that just a practice that, that you do um, regardless? A protective contacts come in basically with the zoos, I mean, almost for forever. They do. Okay. Uh, and I mean, the real say that the term uh, protective contact, probably the last 25 years. And this is basically protection. I mean, in working and stimulating, these animals are wild. And most zoos, they do not have contact with these animals. So to do um, basically medical workups, you train them uh, through a barrier, which is uh, usually like a type of fencing. And you teach them like with our tigers, our tigers are trained and our lions too, to come sit on a bench. Then we can actually, with through the bars, protect them, touch them, feel them. And the benches are set up so we can actually do ultrasound. If we have pregnant cats or animals, you can, they'll sit on the bench and it's a slow process of uh, desensitizing them to the touch, the feel, uh, also being shaved because with ultrasound, you gotta cut the hair. So it's a involved slow process with staff and also our veterinarians working together uh, so we can get the animals uh, conditioned, desensitized to touch through the barrier and we can do ultrasound and uh, do vaccinations without having to actually uh, tranquilize the animal or dart them. So everything's done, uh, which is easier and safer for the animal. Um, and it also builds a better bond between the keepers um, and the animal uh, doing this uh, protective contact training. That works out really good. And most all of the different species of animals at the zoos now, everybody is working with protective contact from hoofstock, rhinos, elephants, uh, bears. We do all of that. Uh, our 
snow leopards. They're all basically trained so we can do medical procedures without having to immobilize the animal um, and give shots without having to, um, you know, dart them, which is a little more traumatic if you have to, let's say, shoot them with a dart to give them the injection. So most all of our animals are great. We can just hand inject, um, do ultrasound. With our snow leopards, we could do snow uh, ultrasound, see how many uh, cubs were, uh, you know, in the uterus with mom, and uh, same thing with our tigers. Okay. So the, all that works out. That's all basically all the care and the protective contact training is not only good for the animal, but it's also very rewarding uh, for the uh, animal care staff. That's for sure. And I'm wondering, what's your education background that, you know, allowed you to be the curator at the San Francisco Zoo? Uh, well, my background, I have a degree in biology, and most all your zoos and animal facilities, uh, mostly your zoos and uh, AZA facility, uh, facilities, uh, try to or, you know, require at least a bachelor's degree. And now, I mean, bachelor's degree uh, working today is almost like a high school diploma, and most people are going further and getting master's uh, today, but uh, most of the facilities are require at least a bachelor's degree and uh, close to in the animal field, biology, zoology, uh, psychology, even where you're dealing, working with animal or animal behavior. So that's what they're looking for. My background is, um, let's say, biology, which gave me a, a basic understanding. But I think why uh, I'm in the position I am as a curator is the years of experience that I have working with animals and working with a variety of animals that I have worked with uh, throughout my career. That is very important because uh, you see a lot with animals through the years. It uh, gives you a lot more insight to the animal if they're feeling well, doing well, their training. If you can read basically their body language and their facial expressions and uh, understand what they're going through to their animal behavior. So uh, mostly, I think, even though you have a degree, uh, most all of it, to get into a management position, a lot of it has to do with experience. Yeah, that seems like that should be the case. And I would, yeah, and I would agree also that it must be stressful for these, you know, huge animals too, right? To be in captivity, it can't be easy. It's, it's a change. They adapt pretty well. I mean, they really do. Animals, do yeah, with the big cats. I mean, you have a house, house cats and tigers. I mean, their behavior and lions even are very similar. So you have a house cat, they're used to your house. Most of the time they're resting most of the day, not sleeping, but resting back and forth. And the big cats are that way too. As long as they're fed, they get some stimulus, food, uh, exercise. They're very um, adaptable uh, to, uh, you know, uh, zoo and, and captive uh, situations. And most all of our facilities today are trying to get more to a natural habitat for the animals. So it feels and looks more natural to them. Like with our snow leopards right now, we're building a whole new uh, exhibit area for the snow leopards with a rock wall so they can climb, jump, move around. And same thing with uh, hoofstock. We opened up a belt area, which, you know, it's about five acres of land to run around on for the giraffes and hoofstock and uh, certain species that live on the African belt. So they're, um, you know, you, you work with, and the zoos are trying to make everything where they have more room, more enrichment, and more of a natural looking setting, not only for the animal, but also for the public. Yeah, I remember the last time I was there, 
I definitely noticed what a great job the zoo was, what they had built for the giraffes. It looked like they, you know, it looked, it looked pretty cool. Like kind of like what you would imagine, like their natural habitat might very well be. And I think when we were speaking the other day on the phone, you were telling me that the zoo is building a new house for the cats. Is that right? Yeah, they haven't started yet. They're getting everything organized right now. And then they will be uh, uh, basically re rehabilitating the lion. Lion house, re, uh, doing a lot of construction there. And also their yards, um, their habitat yards that they uh, go in. And that's going to be at least a year, maybe a year and a half to two year project once it starts. Okay. And for those just tuning in, you're listening to the What To Be Show on KSQD Santa Cruz. 90.7 FM. I'm Patrick Hart and I'm speaking with Ron Whitfield, who's the curator at the San Francisco Zoo. And Ron, I was wondering, what's your day-to-day -day or week look like and has it been affected with COVID? Well, with COVID, it's really affected the zoo in the sense that it's been closed being in San Francisco and with the stay-at-home orders when the, with the state of California. So, um, you know, to prevent the spread of COVID, the zoo's basically um, been closed to the public. It opened back up for a while, uh, about a month ago, and then, or a couple of months ago, and it was limited to 20, 25% capacity. And then we had everything set up in the zoo for social distancing. And same thing with our staff. But again, the zoo's closed currently right now uh, due to the new stay-at-home orders. Um, with staffing, everybody's wearing masks, everybody's social distancing, and it's kind of getting used because when you're working uh, around doing, um, you know, uh, protective contact training, a lot of times uh, you have to adjust to staying six feet, uh, the social distancing with your other keepers and your other staff when you're working around animals. But yeah, it's, it's definitely affected the zoo. Um, and also the staffing at the zoo uh, with, uh, with COVID. Yeah, I'd imagine it is. And I was wondering, what kind of skills do you use in your career just over the years? And did you acquire most of these skills just through being there and just kind of hands-on and learning throughout the years? Correct. Uh, when it comes to the working in the field, you basically, when you first start in the zoo like I did, you mentor with experienced people you work with them, you learn from them. And then, um, which I did for years, I worked with a lot of different animal people in the business, not only in the zoo field, but also in um, the animal training field. And as you get your own experience, you develop your own, let's say, concept and style of working with animals and also what needs to be done with animals. You, you learn what animals really do need. And that basically comes from all experience and also working with veterinarians very closely, working with conservation groups uh, to um, you know, maintain and uh, keep a healthy population of animals in captivity. Okay, and over all the years that you have worked with animals, um, what are some of your favorite projects you've worked on or are currently working on? Well, right now, currently, we're, we're not only working with the Snow Leopard Conservancy, but the Snow Leopard Project and, and the breeding with that's always been, that's been very rewarding with them. The zoo also, uh, not only besides the large animals, we also work with uh, the Mexican gray wolf, SSP. We have Mexican gray wolves, and they're doing a lot of uh, reintroductions into 
uh, Arizona, New Mexico, and Old Mexico, um, reintroducing the Mexican gray wolf, which has been very, very successful. Um, also, the zoo uh, not only uh, works with large animals, but also insects. The Dancil Fly Project with the San Francisco Zoo, they've reintroduced, uh, they've almost basically um, gone extinct in the Bay Area, some of the Dancil species. And the zoo has uh, basically been reintroducing um, breeding and reintroducing them into the San Francisco Bay Area, which is great. And also frogs, I mean, amphibians. So there's a whole range of animals that is worked with and then re, uh, and can be reintroduced into their natural habitats where they've basically uh, almost gone extinct. And I think is, that's, it is cool. And I, I think I heard something that they reintroduce, was it the gray wolf into Yellowstone? And like what a positive impact it's having in that park. Um, am I mistaken by saying that? No, it's been a very good, not only for uh, the gray wolf. Uh, I mean, there's been some controversy because if they do leave the park, uh, there are, um, you know, some of them do get killed if they get into and outside the, the park itself. But uh, actually, it's helped the herds. It's made the hoofstock healthier. They've taken out let's say, the, the, the sick and the weak, which a predator does. And in the long run, it makes the herd health actually better in the long run. It makes it uh, healthier, stronger. Plus, it's helped with the park bringing money and tourism in because everybody wants to come in and see the gray wolves. All right. How could you blame them? <laughs> no, I know. I'd love to go there and see them myself. But, I mean, it's really helped the park overall, not only with the animals, but also with uh, the parks increased tourism, people wanting to see it, as long as they stay in their cars and stay away from the bison. <laughs> yeah, those bison. I, I remember seeing the signs when I went to Yellowstone, stay away from the bison. A week before uh, we went there, someone had gotten gored, you know, because they wanted yeah. to get that picture, you know. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunate. Too, too many Disney movies they see. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ron, what kind of person do you think would enjoy being a curator uh, from the zoo? I think uh, I, most of all is uh, I think your love of animals, it's first of all, is the most important thing in the animal field um, and wanting to, you know, help out conservation wise, maintaining animals and maintaining a healthy population, not only in the wild, but also in captivity. And that's done um, with, with all the zoos, the organization uh, throughout the world now, everybody cooperates together, uh, bringing in stronger species for breeding. Um, but I think a lot of it to get in the animal field is the love of animals and wanting to help out the animals and maintain, uh, you know, the, a healthy world population of animals and maintain, you know, the animals that are very threatened and endangered to try and keep that uh, uh, population going. Okay. And I know you've kind of already addressed it or mentioned it throughout us talking, but would you just go over again, why do you believe that your job, or not why you believe, but why is your job important to you and to society at large? It's important to me because uh, I love working with animals and not only um, taking care of animals. The animals are, you know, it's our job since we do have animals in, uh, let's say, uh, housing in zoos and, and different parks throughout the world, it's our responsibility to take care of these animals the best we can. And as a curator, that's my position, is to make sure that all of our animals 
and our and working with our staff, our keepers, working directly with them and also the management at the zoo and our veterinarian staff to maintain a really healthy, viable population of animals um, that can be, you know, which will be staying around three years because the way the wild is going, the only place you're going to see wild animals probably in the next century is in zoos and parks uh, throughout the world and not in the wild since the human population is getting so uh, basically taken over most of the habitats. Yeah, so, uh, you know, maintaining a healthy population of animals to me is very, very important. And also the conservation work and making sure animals that are in the wild uh, stay there successfully. Okay. I was on uh, a bike ride yesterday up near UCSC and I had heard, I was in this big field and I had heard about a brown eagle living there um, over the years. And I sure thought I saw it yesterday. And I have a, I took a pic, I was able to get a, a picture of it. Um, I saw it flying and then it, and then it perched and I took a picture of it perched and then, you know, it was pretty high above me, but as I rode my bike underneath, it took flight and I was able to get some pictures of it. And I sent the pictures to a birder friend who informed me that it was actually an osprey and it was magnificent. And she let me know that they hunt fish, but it, it sure looked like an eagle or like a big hawk maybe, and but really cool. Yeah, your ospreys are in the hawk and, and you know, they are in that family. Okay. And they, they are a great hunting bird. Yeah. I've been around some ponds and lakes and you'll see them uh, going down after fish periodically. But they're beautiful, beautiful birds. They really are your osprey and um, your eagles. I know when I lived on property, we had, um, which I don't anymore. <laughs> I live in a town, but when we lived on our property, we had uh, two nests of golden eagles, and they would hunt all around us. And, oh, that's so and cool. Perch, and they're beautiful. Really neat to see. Awesome. What do you think is a common misconception that people might have about your job? Um, well, I mean, let's face working with animals. It can be controversial with certain groups or organizations that thinks, you know, you're um, taking advantage of animals or exploiting them. But you know, the zoos work mainly with conservation and uh, preserving animals for the future and also education. Educating the public is so important um, about animals. So that's that's a big part and the, the biggest part of our jobs is not only educating the public uh, along with uh, maintaining a real viable and healthy population of animals for future generations of, of people. And what advice or resources can you give to students who are interested in pursuing this career? Uh, if you're really interested in getting into it, there are a lot of facilities that will take volunteers and you can work in there and see if you really like it and like working with animals. You can volunteer. There are organizations. I mean, our zoo also takes in volunteers. Young people that work at the zoo, they do a nature trail and, uh, and actually work with some of the small little uh, animals, uh, work with the public, uh, and also be able to work and, and see what's going on with zoos, their conservation-wise. And we have some staff that have been with the zoo ever since they were young kids working when they were, uh, you know, teenagers uh, at the park at 13 all the way up to now, and they're curators. That's so awesome. So it, it's neat to see, uh, and the, their experience, you can't beat it. There's a lot of places you can volunteer if you really want to get into it. Even some of the schools we work with, 
um, colleges. We work with Stanford, we work with UC Davis, and also the different vet clinics and stuff around working with animals. So there's a lot of opportunities if you want to get into it. And also the veterinarian field okay. is a big field. Thanks, Ron. And we have about a minute left and I have one last question for you. And that is what kind of piece of advice or resource would you like to leave our listeners with? Uh, I think looking at it, I mean, overall, um, we're all, we all love animals. We all love, uh, let's say, being out in, in the natural uh, world and also natural animals and seeing animals. And uh, I mean, that's the job for all of us is conservation, help animals in the wild and also support your different uh, organizations like your zoos that do conservation work, reintroductions of animals. Um, so we can all uh, see an animal future for animals down the road for our future generations of uh, children that are coming up to be able to see these animals, enjoy them and uh, learn how to respect them. Well, as someone who loves animals, I thank you very much for your meaningful work. And thank you for all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story on our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Ron Whitfield, who is the curator of carnivores at the San Francisco Zoo. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, please send an email to whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM, KSQD Santa Cruz, at 7 p.m. on Sundays, streaming online at ksqd.org, or visit our website at yfiob.org for more ways to listen. Thank you and see you next time.